Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse with the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. There is also on that web page an option called Lesson Sign Up. Clicking that link would allow you to sign up to receive an excellent daily email which includes both the text reading and the lesson for the day. Uh, my name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading of Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with Section 7, The Constant State. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 46, which is God is the love in which I forgive. And by way of opening this morning, well, I'd like to share this poem from Thomas Aquinas. It's called, We Are Fields Before Each Other. How is it they live for eons in such harmony, the billions of stars? when most men can barely go a minute without declaring war in their mind against someone they know. There are wars where no one marches with a flag, though that does not keep casualties from mounting. Our hearts irrigate this earth. We are fields before each other. How can we live in harmony? First, we need to know we are all madly in love with the same God. God is the love in which I forgive. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my privilege. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> okay, so this morning reading... I don't know. I, I don't what, know if sweetie? anyone else... I don't know if anyone else did this, but I thought at the end it would say that we were all stars. <laughs> that it kind too, of fit huh? with the first part. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Romery. Okay. Here's our reading list this morning. Uh, Lemoyne, Fran, Robin Marie, Donna, and Sandra were joined in listening this morning uh, by Wendy. And I wonder who else has come along. I'd like to say good morning or be on the reading list. I've come good, morning. good morning. <laughs> Go ahead. Steve. Hi, guys. Good morning. I, I'll be just listening for a while. Thank you, Lori, everyone. Thanks, Judy. Hi, Jessica. Hi, and I would love to read. Oh, very excellent. Thank you. All righty. So, I'll start us off then in Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with Section 7, The Constant State. Paragraph 81. It cannot be emphasized too often that correcting perception is merely a temporary expedient. It is necessary to do so only because misperception is a block to knowledge while accurate perception is a stepping stone towards it. 
The whole value of right perceptions lies in the inevitable judgment, which it entails that it is unnecessary. This removes the block entirely. You may ask how this is possible as long as you appear to be living in this world. And since this is a sensible question, it has a sensible answer. You must be careful, however, that you really understand the question. What is the so-called you who are living in this world? And Lemoyne. Thank you, Lori. Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, Section 7, The Constant State. It cannot be emphasized too often that correcting perception is merely a temporary expedient. It is necessary to do so only because misperception is a block to knowledge, while accurate perception stepping stepping stone towards it. The whole value of right perception lies in the inevitable judgment which it entails that it is unnecessary. This removes the block entirely. You may ask how is this is possible as long as you appear to be living in the world, and this is a sensible question, and since this is a sensible question, it has a sensible answer. You must be careful, however, that you really understand the question. What is the quote-unquote you who are living in this world? Immortality is a constant state. It is as true now as it ever was or ever will be because it implies no change at all. It is not a continuum nor is it understood by being compared to an opposite. Knowledge never involves comparison. That is its essential difference from everything else the mind can grasp. Quote, a little knowledge, unquote, is not dangerous except to the ego. Vaguely it senses threat and being unable to realize that quote, a little knowledge, quote, is a meaningless phrase. All and a little in this context are the same. The ego decides that since all is impossible, the fear does not lie there. A little, however, is a scarcity concept, and this the ego understands well. Quote, a little, quote, unquote, a little then, is perceived as the real threat. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 82. Immortality is a constant state. It is as true now as it ever was or ever will be because it implies no change at all. It is not a continuum, nor is it understood by being compared to an opposite. Knowledge never involves comparisons. That is a substantial difference from everything else the mind can grasp. Quote, a little knowledge, unquote, is not dangerous except to the ego. Vaguely, it senses threat 
and being unable to realize that a little knowledge is as meaningless phrase since quote unquote all and quote unquote a little in this context are the same. The ego decides that since all is impossible, the fear does not lie there. A little, however, is a scarcity concept, and this the ego understands well. A little, then, is perceived as the real threat. 83. The essential thing to remember is that the ego does not recognize the real source of its perceived threat, and if you associate yourself with the ego, you do not perceive the whole situation as it is. Only your allegiance to it gives the ego any power over you. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. Eighty-three. The essential thing to remember is that the ego does not recognize the real source of its perceived threat. And if you associate yourself with the ego, you do not perceive the whole situation as it is. Only, only your allegiance to it gives the ego any power over you. 84. We have spoken of the ego as if it were a separate thing acting on its own. This was necessary to persuade you that you cannot dismiss it lightly and must realize how much of your thinking is ego-directed. We cannot safely let it go at that, however, or you will regard yourselves as necessarily conflicted as long as you are here, or more properly, as long as you believe that you are here. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna. 84. We have spoken of the ego as if it were a separate thing acting on its own. This was necessary to persuade you that you cannot dismiss it lightly and must realize how much of your thinking is ego-directed. We cannot safely let it go at that, however, or you will regard yourselves as necessarily conflicted as long as you are here, or more properly, as long as you believe you are here. 85. The ego is nothing more than a part of your belief about yourselves. Your other life has continued without interruption and has been and always will be totally unaffected by your attempts to dissociate. The ratio of repression and dissociation varies with the individual ego illusion. But dissociation is always involved or you would not believe that you are here. In learning to escape from the illusions you have made, your great debt to each other is something that you must never forget. It is exactly the same debt that you owe to me. Whenever you react egotistically towards each other, you you are throwing away the graciousness of your indebtedness 
and the holy perception it would produce. Thank you, Donna. And Sandra. Um, 85. The ego is nothing more than a part of your belief about yourself. Your other life has continued without interruption and has been and always will be totally unaffected by your attempts to dissociate. The ratio of repression and dissociation varies with the individual ego illusion, but dissociation is always involved or you would not believe that you are here. In learning to escape from the illusions you have made, your great debt to each other is something you must never forget. It is exactly the same debt that you owe to me. Whenever you react egotistically towards each other, you are throwing away the graciousness of your indebtedness and the holy perception it would produce. 88. I can't even read that number. I think it's 88. 86? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, the term 86. Holy... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, you know, whatever. The, the term holy can be used here because as you learn how much you are indebted to the whole sonship, which includes me, you come as close to knowledge as perception ever can. The gap is then so small that knowledge can easily flow across it and obliterate it forever. You have very little trust in me as yet, but it will increase as you turn more and more often to me instead of your egos for guidance. The result will convince you increasingly that your choice is turning to me in the whole in the only sane that your choice in turning to me is the only sane one you can make. No one who has learned from experience that one choice brings peace and joy while another brings chaos and disaster needs much conditioning. Thank you, Sandra. And Jessica. Thanks, Laurie. 86. The term, quote, holy can be used here because as you learn how much you are indebted to the whole sonship, which includes me, you come as close to knowledge as perception ever can. The gap is then so small that knowledge can easily flow across it and obliterate it forever. You have very little trust in me as yet, but it will increase as you turn more and more often to me instead of your egos for guidance. The results will convince you increasingly that your choice in turning to me is the only sane one you can make. No one who has learned from experience that one choice brings peace and joy while another brings chaos and disaster, needs much conditioning. The ego cannot withstand the conditioning process because the process itself demonstrates that there is another way. 
Conditioning by rewards has always been more effective than conditioning by pain because pain is an ego illusion and can never induce more than a temporary effect. The rewards of God, however, are immediately recognized as eternal. Since this recognition is made by you and not the ego, the recognition itself establishes that you and your ego cannot be identical. You may believe that you have already accepted the difference, but you are by no means convinced as yet. The very fact that you are preoccupied with the idea of escaping from the ego shows this. Thank you, Jessica. And would there be a new reader for 87 and 88? Good morning, it's Karen. I can read. Thanks, Karen. 87. The ego cannot withstand the conditioning process because the process itself demonstrates that there is another way. Conditioning by rewards has always been more effective than conditioning by pain because pain is an ego illusion and can never induce more than a temporary effect. The rewards of God, however, are immediately recognized as eternal. Since this recognition is made by you and not the ego, the recognition itself establishes that you and your ego cannot be identical. You may believe that you have already accepted the difference, but you are by no means convinced as yet. The very fact that you are preoccupied with the idea of escaping from the ego shows this. 88. You cannot escape from the ego by humbling it or controlling it or punishing it. Remember that the ego and the soul do not know each other. The separated mind cannot maintain the separation except by dissociating. Having done this, it utilizes repression against all truly natural impulses, not because the ego is a separate thing, but because you want to believe that you are. The ego is a device for maintaining this belief, but it is still only your willingness to use the device that enables it to endure. Thank you, Karen. And is there another new reader for 88 and 89? 88 and 89? I can do it, Lori. Thank you. Thanks, Jude. You cannot escape from the ego by humbling it or controlling it or punishing it. Remember that the ego and the soul do not know each other. The separated mind cannot maintain the separation except by disassociating. Having done this, it 
and utilizes repression against all truly natural impulses. Not because the ego is a separate thing, but because you want to believe that you are. The ego is a device for maintaining this belief, but it's still, it is still only your willingness to use the device that enables it to endure. My trust in you is greater than yours in me at the moment, but it will not always be that way. Your mission is very simple. You have been chosen to live as to demonstrate that you are not an ego. I repeat that I do not choose God's channels wrongly. The Holy One shares my trust and always approves my atonement decisions because my will is never out of accord with His. I have told you before that I am in charge of the whole atonement. This is my... This is only because I completed my part in it as a man and can now complete it through other men. My chosen receiving and sending channels cannot fail because I will lend them my strength as long as theirs is wanting. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> and is there another new reader for 89 and 90? Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. My trust in you is greater than yours and me at the moment but it will not always be that way. Your mission is very simple. You have been chosen to live so as to demonstrate that you are not a new I repeat that I do not choose God's channel wrongly. The Holy One shares my trust and always approves my atonement decision because my will is never out of accord with His. I have told you before that I am in charge of the whole atonement. This is only because I completed my part in it as a man and can now complete it through other men. My chosen receiving and sending channels cannot fail because I will lend them my strength as long as theirs is wanting. I will go with you to the Holy One, I will go with you to the Holy One, and through my perception, He can bridge the little gap. Your gratitude to each other is the only gift I want. I will bring it to God for you, knowing that to know your brother is to know God. A little knowledge is an all-encompassing thing. If you are grateful to each other, you are grateful to God for what he created. Through your gratitude, you can come to know each other, and one moment of real recognition makes all men your brothers 
because they are all of your Father. Love does not conquer all things, but it does set all things right. Because you are all the kingdom of God, I can lead you back to your own creation, which you do not yet know. What has been dissociated is still there. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 90. I will go with you to the Holy One, and through my perception, he can bridge the little gap. Your gratitude to each other is the only gift I want. I will bring it to God for you, knowing that to know your brother is to know God. A little knowledge is an all-encompassing thing. If you are grateful to each other, you are grateful to God for what he created. Through your gratitude, you can come to know each other. And one moment of real recognition makes all men your brothers, because they are all of your father. Love does not conquer all things, but it does set all things right. Because you are all the kingdom of God, I can lead you back to your own creations, which you do not yet know. What has been dissociated is still there. 91. As you come closer to a brother, you do approach me. And as you withdraw from him, I become distant to you. Your giant step forward was to insist on a collaborative venture. This does not go against the true spirit of meditation. It is inherent in it. Meditation is a collaborative venture with God. It cannot be undertaken successfully by those who disengage themselves from the sonship because they are disengaging themselves from me. God will come to you only as you will give him to your brothers. Learn first of them, and you will be ready to hear God as you hear them. That is because the function of love is one. Thank you, Fran. And Robert Marie. 91. As you come closer to a brother, you do approach me. And as you withdraw from him, I become distant to you. Your giant step forward was to insist on a, quote, collaborative venture, unquote. This does not go against the true spirit of meditation. It is inherent in it. Meditation is a collaborative venture with God. It cannot be undertaken successfully by those who disengage themselves from the sonship because they are disengaging themselves from me. God will come to you only as you will give him to your brothers. Learn first of them and you will be ready to hear God as you hear them. That is because the function of love is one. 92. How can you teach someone the value of something he has deliberately thrown away? He must have thrown it away because he did not value it. You can only show him how miserable he is without it and bring it near very slowly so he can learn how his misery lessens as he approaches it. This conditions him to associate his misery with its absence and to associate the opposite of misery with its presence. It gradually becomes desirable as he changes 
his mind about its worth. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna. Ninety-two. How can you teach someone the value of something he has deliberately thrown away? He must have thrown it away because he did not value it. You can only show him how miserable he is without it and bring it near very slowly so he can learn how his misery lessens as he approaches it. This conditions him to associate his misery with its absence and to associate the opposite of misery with its presence. It gradually becomes desirable as he changes his mind about its worth. 93. I am conditioning you to associate misery with the ego and joy with the soul. You have conditioned yourselves the other way around. A far greater reward, however, will break through as break through any conditioning if it is repeatedly offered whenever the old habit pattern is broken. You are still free to choose, but can you really want the rewards of the ego in the presence of the rewards of God? Thank you, Donna. And Sandra. Sandra. Okay. I am conditioning you to associate misery with the ego and joy with the soul. You have conditioned yourself the other way around. A far greater reward, however, will break through any conditioning if it is repeatedly offered whenever the old habit pattern is broken. You are still free to choose, but you can really, but you, but can you really want the rewards of the ego in the presence of the rewards of God? Good question. <laughs> thank you, Sandra. And thank you, everyone who read this morning from this beautiful Section 7, The Constant State, uh, to highlight a few ideas from that first paragraph. It cannot be emphasized too often that correcting perception is merely a temporary expedient. It is necessary to do so only because misperception is a block to knowledge while accurate perception is a stepping stone toward it. In 82, immortality is a constant state. It is as true now as it ever was or ever will be because it implies no change at all. Knowledge never involves comparisons. In 83, if you associate yourself with the ego, you do not perceive the whole situation as it is. But here's the thing, only your allegiance to it gives the ego any power over you. In 81, you must realize how much of your thinking is ego-directed, but we cannot safely let it go at that, or you will regard yourselves as necessarily conflicted as long as you are here, or more properly, as long as you believe that you are here. 
In 85, the ego is nothing more than a part of your belief about yourselves. Your other life has continued without interruption and has been and always will be totally unaffected by your attempts to dissociate. Dissociation is always involved or you would not believe you are here. So learning to escape from the illusions you have made, your great debt to each other, is something you must never forget. It is exactly the same debt you owe to me. Whenever you react egotistically toward each other, you are throwing away the graciousness of your indebtedness and the holy perception it would produce. In 86, the term holy can be used here because as you learn how much you are indebted to the whole sonship, which includes me, you come as close to knowledge as perception ever can. The gap is then so small that knowledge can easily flow across it and obliterate that gap forever. As you turn more and more often to me, instead of to your egos for guidance, the results will convince you increasingly that your choice in turning to me is the only sane one you can make. <clears throat> in 87, the rewards of God are immediately recognized as eternal. And since this recognition is made by you and not the ego, the recognition itself establishes that you and your ego cannot be identical. In 88, the separated mind cannot maintain the separation except by dissociating. But it is still only your willingness to use the device that enables it to endure. 89, your mission is very simple. You have been chosen to live so as to demonstrate that you are not an ego. I am in charge of the whole atonement. This is only because I completed my part in it as a man and can now complete it through other men. My chosen sending, whoopsie, my chosen receiving and sending channels cannot fail because I will lend them my strength as long as theirs is wanting. 90. I will go with you to the Holy One and through my perception, He can bridge the little gap. Your gratitude to each other is the only gift I want. I will bring it to God for you, knowing that to know your brother is to know God. A little knowledge is an all-encompassing thing. If you are grateful to each other, you are grateful to God for what he created. Through your gratitude, you can come to know each other. And one moment of real recognition makes all men your brothers because they are all of your father. Love does not conquer all things, but it does set all things right. 91, as you come closer to a brother, you do approach me. And as you withdraw from him, I become distant to you. Meditation, then, is a collaborative venture with God. It cannot be undertaken successfully by those who disengage themselves from the sonship because they are disengaging themselves from me. God will come to you only as you give him to your brothers. Learn first of them and you will be ready to hear God as you hear them. That is because the function of love is one. 
In 90, I am conditioning you to associate misery with the ego and joy with the soul. You are still free to choose, but can you really want the rewards of the ego in the presence of the rewards of God? Amen. And for about five minutes, we can ponder this before we open our minds and hearts to the lesson at the top of the hour. Floor's open. This is Donna. In 82, this sentence popped out at me. Knowledge never involves comparison. And I made a pencil line up to the end of the page so I could go back to it later. But then I saw the word immortality as the first word in 82. And I drew a line up to that. And then when we got down into 86, I saw... Um, the word sonship. So I drew a line up to that. So I thought, knowledge is the truth of being. And for me, that really is describing um, really what we're leading, living and, 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 and reading and living. And then one more place was so beautiful as you just recapped it. Uh, my chosen receiving and sending channels cannot fail. And I'm beginning to live that. And I have a couple of stories that I'll maybe tell later. My chosen are receiving and sending channels. I am blessed and complete. Yes. Oh, lovely. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. This is Robin Marie. I just wanted to say one thing. I I really um, enjoyed in 90, love does not conquer all things, but it does set all things right. I like that because uh, conquering is war and it's ego clash. And love is not that. So I enjoyed um, that clarity. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thanks, Robin. This is Sandra, and I particularly liked um, on paragraph 88, where they did not demonize the ego. They just said the ego is a device. Um, but it is still only your willingness. There's still that capital I that's, that I, I just so, I'm, I'm so joyful that it's there and that I can, I can identify with that capital I instead of with the little I. It's my choice. And I, the capital I gives me a way out of, in this last paragraph, here it is. You are still free to choose, but you can really. But can you really want the rewards of the ego? And I've discerned that when I'm identified with the ego, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm angry, I'm I'm full of rage. Um, I want to get even. That's the ego, 
And I, that's not something I want in my life. It's, I mean, there's no contest. I want to feel peace and, and maybe some semblance of happiness, but most of all, peace. And it's, it's just no contest. I'd much rather align with the truth of who I am, the capital I, the mind of God, than align with the ego because the ego makes me miserable. It's there. It's a device. And it, it can serve a purpose, but, it, but if the purpose is to make me miserable, then I don't want it. <laughs> but it's not demonized here, and I like that. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. Uh, you and Robert Marie uh, just together gave us a perfect segue into the lesson at the top of the hour. And so I'm grateful for that, and grateful that Fran's here to lead our reflection this morning in Lesson 46. I'll turn it over to you, Fran. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 46. God is the love in which I forgive. So I shall read some from the lesson. God does not forgive because he has never condemned. And there must be condemnation before forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is the great need of this world, but that is because it is a world of illusion. Although God does not forgive, his love is nevertheless the basis of forgiveness. Fear condemns and love forgives. Today's exercises require at least three full five-minute practice periods and as many shorter applications as possible. Begin the longer practice periods by repeating today's idea to yourself as usual. Close your eyes as you do so and spend a minute or two in searching your mind for those whom you have not forgiven. Mention each one by name and say, God is the love in which I forgive you. Name. The purpose of the first phase of today's practice is to put you in the best position to forgive yourself. After you have applied the idea for today to all those who have come to mind, tell yourself, God is the love in which I forgive myself. Then devote the remainder of the practice period to adding related ideas, such as, God is the love with which I love myself. God is the love in which I am blessed. The form of the applications may vary considerably, but the central idea should not be lost sight of. You might say, for example, I cannot be guilty because I am a son of God. I have already been forgiven. No fear is possible in a mind beloved of God. There is no need to attack because love has forgiven me. The shorter applications may consist either of a repetition of the idea for today in the original or in a related form as you prefer. When you become aware of any kind of negative reaction to anyone, present or not, in this event, tell him silently, God is the love in which I forgive you. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 46, God is the love in which I forgive.
Forgiveness is the great need of this world, but that is because it is a world of illusions. Lesson 46, God is the love in which I forgive. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was just splendid. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Lori. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Fran. Good morning, it's Karen. I just had a big aha moment. Um, God is the love in which I forgive. We did it earlier, so I, you know, already did a few people that it was superficial stuff. You know, I don't like this person or that person irritates me. But um, a couple months ago, my daughter was decompensating. My older daughter um, was decompensating. She was like having a, a breakdown and I was just out of my mind because I just felt like I couldn't go through it again. You know, she's she's had a opiate addiction for many, 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 many years. And um, <clears throat> so when we did this exercise, I thought of her, even though I have nothing going on with her right now except a wonderful relationship, I thought, you know, that was like a real huge flashing sign that there is something still in me that isn't forgiven. So I was thinking, you know, God is the love in which I forgive you. And I was thinking, what? I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling where it's at. I can't really pinpoint what's going on there. But I know that I was so upset a couple months ago that there must be something there. So I thought about it a little bit more. And it was just like, it isn't about her at all. Once again, it's never about the other person, it seems. Like, I'm having this great epiphany. It's the things I hate about myself, the things I don't forgive about myself, my self-destructive, past uh, addictive behaviors. That's why I was so upset with her. So it always comes down to, and you know, there's, of course, the way of looking at it, like, she isn't separate, she is me, so I'm forgiving myself anyway, of course because we are one. But I feel like the things that are most charged, really most charged, are just absolutely core problems about my own lack of forgiveness toward myself. You know, even if it's an out, even if it's an external judgment, it's about an internal judgment. I love this course so much because I feel like it's spiritual psychology And doing it as a group the way that we do is better than any therapy I've ever been in. Mm. And the Holy Spirit works with me all day long, all day long as I keep doing it. And complete. Thank you. Oh, that was, what a beautiful illustration of the collaborative venture. And um, I just love that share, Karen. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Karen. Karen. 
that was beautiful, Kieran. It's so, uh, the clarity with which you spoke that, um, the difference between who is the you that we've made and we think are ourselves in this world, being separate in bodies, it's an illusion. And um, then we use the illusion of ourselves to compare and evaluate and judge each other, <laughs> which is what we do. We think through this this mistaken self and then we judge each other according to our own misperception of ourselves. And, you know, this is why forgiveness um, is an illusion, the last illusion, that um, there's nothing to forgive because we're dreaming this, this altered state of reality as, as being real and that we're always truly in heaven in a constant state of peace and love and joy. And, and we veil it with this egoic thinking. And um, I love the way the text talks about it. Um, it's not an entity, that we're not separate ego entities because that just validates the illusion that we're separate inside bodies. It's an activity of our minds. It's merely a way of thinking, of perceiving ourselves as something, as a something. We're not a something. We're a spirit that's formless and perfectly pure and innocent the way God created us. And that's the joy in, in identifying my mind with the light of the understanding of how God created me and looking past appearances, past what the body's eyes perceive, what we think of, quote-unquote, as reality, which isn't true. That form, perception, is always a projection of our minds. And that's a lot for our heads to wrap around. And it, but it is what the Course has asked us to do, that we um, sit in stillness and do not judge we trust in the truth as it's laid out, um, that we're purely mind, um, and mind that's in um, service of the soul is, is genuinely inspired all the time just to love and not to be in opposition or contrary to that um, is what peace is. That is what being peace is. I'm not in opposition to anything or anybody in the illusory, perceptive world that the body sees. I'm not giving in to the dream. I'm hanging on to the truth. But I love the way um, it talks about I can trust in Christ, um, that his trust is perfect, that his trust is God's trust in me, that unshakable knowing um, that I am a spiritual being, that I can't be changed, that I'm in a constant state of perfection, in oneness, in, in total, total unity, in a state of grace, a total state of totality of oneness, that nothing can um, um, change or distort. You know, it's, it's, it's um, living is not to demonstrate that I'm an ego. How do we do that? By not judging. <laughs> Only the ego judges. Only the ego um, sees differences, sees
receives um, and evaluates and condemns. This is great stuff. This is one of my absolute favorites. But it's especially that the conditioning, all the conditioning in the world, um, and how it can be undone in one holy instant, that by my constant state is always available already to be acknowledged and claimed in every minute of every day, that heaven goes with me, that I am as God created me, and that no matter what the conditioning, the old habits, the residue of habits of the activity of the ego mind, um, the, you know, that they can, they can be relinquished. Um, God's will for me is perfect happiness, perfect joy, and perfect peace. And um, it's guaranteed. He's given me the means, the Holy Spirit, and I have Christ within me, as me, one with me, um, and that's unshakable, and that's constant. And um, I'm in love with being love. Love created me as itself. And to know my brother is the same as me and not different. And holy, changeless, and perfect too. Oh, I'm so thrilled with this reading today. Thank you, Lori and Lemoyne, for your daily devotion. <laughs> and all, the, all you other guys that are here, too. <laughs> I'm complete. Um, thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Great gratitude. Thanks on all of you. Thank you. I was, uh, this is Robin Marie, I was thinking about um, the lesson before the ego body illusion in 6 and, um, let's see, 72. Uh, the question which must be asked, where am I to go for protection, um, popped up in my mind again today. And uh, with the ego, it's either going to someone else's ego for protection or going to my own ego for protection, when in fact, I should always go to source, and that's exactly what Jude was talking about. Yes, go to source first. And all of us know this, and to practice it, and be with uh, people who are um, involved in, in learning how to do this is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Amen. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Robin. Beautiful reminder. Yeah. Where am I to go? Thank you. Hi, this is Chris. Um, I appreciate uh, the strength in the lesson that God is the strength in which I trust. Um, and, to, and to utilize that strength in every situation and to see the results and have many reasons to be 
happy about that surrendered state to be in God's strength. Um, my Holy Spirit has my back. He holds my best interests, and I could count on him. And thank you, God, for this prayer that states that. I love where it says that my myself, my higher self, my Holy Spirit, is aware of all the facets of any situation, and I could be guided in a way that only good could come of it. Um, and I could, in that open and receptive mind state, I could be directed to the right solution and its accomplishment. My goodness, isn't that wonderful? It gives me all reasons to be dependent on that inner guidance. Um, and, and, and previous to this, it, the lesson says my holiness could do all things. Um, so it's just generating a sense of trust in me as I practice this lesson and, uh, and trusting in that strength to keep me safe and, in that, and strong in any situation. Boy, have, have I needed to remove obstacles to that trust because of previous religious doctrines about God. Um, uh, and that I have that voice within me that, that nudges me, tells me when something feels right to me, and I could trust that inner feeling um, and, and, and in any situation that I witness any doubt within me, I could call upon God's trust and strength and protection. Wow. Um, and this is, this is guaranteed for me in any, in any time, any present moment, I call upon that. And uh, the development of my confidence and certainty has been such a, a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, I'm in the perfect, I'm in a perfect place at the perfect time. And that where I need to go is within for perfect peace, where everything is possible, and where the strength of God is, is, is within now. It's just wonderful, wonderful reminders. Um, I, I followed that nudge when I was, when I was, um, God's energy transmitted to me that it's time to move into what God's passionate about for me, what God how God wants me to serve and earn money. And uh, I feel so much in trust and really watching for non-trusting thoughts and feelings from the past 
that I could witness and say, uh-uh, I'm not going down that route. I know this to, this direction is God, and I choose to give my mind in that service. And thank you for forgiveness that I could release any doubt, fear, or concern in regards to following his will for me. It's, it's been such a delight to see unfold that kind of inner service and say, thank you, God. I'm, I'm even going to soar this outcome so when I wake up in the morning, I could say, thank you for your direction because of this, because of this, because of this. I'm complete. Thank you. That was just marvelous. Thank you, Chris. Beautiful. Thank you, Chris. Two words really are in my mind um, from the lesson today. God's love is the love with which I forgive myself and and everyone on earth um, for anything that um, my body's eyes perceive that mercy reigns Mercy comes from heaven, God's love, like rain down upon the earth. And um, it's just such a holistic and totally way of looking at it and forgiving anyone and and everyone for anything um, that encompasses the love of God within me that I alone do not hold. Thank you, Chris. You brought it out in me. Love you. Thank you for the reminder that today's lesson is God is the love in which I forgive, not in <laughs> his strength in which I trust. But hey, <laughs> I'm at the right time, right place at the right time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I'm really glad that you brought it up that way, God is the strength. Um, because the two, the two absolutely must go together. God is the love in which I forgive, and God is the strength in which I trust. Um, <laughs> I looked, I looked ahead to that, and just wanted to point out that God is the strength in which I trust begins with this: if you are trusting your own strength, you have every reason to be apprehensive, anxious, and fearful. If you're trusting your own strength. <clears throat> When I was doing the lesson this morning, I um, sort of let my mind free. And um, as I continued, I noticed I was uh, falling more and more heavily on God is love. Just God is the love. Just God is the love. And, um, And that was a really sweet place to rest. The addition of God is the strength in which I trust is my reminder that um, if I trusted my ego to forgive, it would never happen. And that's why forgiveness is the greatest, the greatest offering that I can offer my mind for freedom um, from tyrannous control. The ego is tyrannous control. Uh, you can't humble it, you can't shame it, you can't 
um, punish it into submission, which are all ego adventures, you know. And, and it's very difficult um, to get humble enough, or it was for me anyway, difficult uh, to get humble enough to recognize that all my suffering, all my trouble, all my idea of conflict came from the notion that I am responsible. I alone can fix it. Recognize that? That's another good definition of the ego. I alone can fix it. Um, so the way I want to uh, approach this is um, the way I found freedom. It was like this. God is the love in which I forgive. God is the strength in which I trust. I could not get to that point by myself. I just couldn't. Could not recognize how much love there is available to me. I just couldn't do it. And so I visioned. I visioned a magnificent, wonderful horse. And this horse this magnificent, wonderful horse on which I ride is very strong. And this magnificent, wonderful horse on which I ride loves loves everything. And when I recognized that nothing was required of me as an individual, me as a person, me as a personality, me as a private self, I recognize that God is the love in which I forgive because of this magnificent, wonderful being that holds us all, that carries us all. God is the love in which I forgive. It's not of my own. If it were, it would never happen. That's why you have been called to live so as you are not an ego, well, I'm not. I thought I was. I really thought I was. I was misidentified. I was just misidentified with this teeny tiny little fragment. I want to say fragment because I want to say it's a figment of my imagination and a fragment of my my identity. I was misidentified with that little bit not recognizing that this wonderful, magnificent love that holds us all, that is the field. It's, it's the, the field in which everything happens, this wonderful, magnificent love. And there I was, this teeny, tiny little being on this magnificence, or this teeny, tiny little persona in this love boat, misidentified just misidentified. That's why these two lessons go together in my mind. God is the love in which I forgive. God is the strength in which I trust. Love these two lessons. Coming back to um, coming back to this section, the constant state, um, the reason this section speaks so deeply to me is also because of this great magnificent being. My problem was I had a problem of two selves. 
this teeny tiny bit and then the magnificence of soul and until I was able to resolve and I'm still resolving don't get me wrong um, till I was able to resolve that I have a magnificent response to everything available to me or I have a teeny tiny response based on fear I was struggling with the idea that there's two of me I knew I knew that um, Christ is the wind in the sails and the hand at the rudder I knew that but still was there this tiny fragment of me that um, that was the entirety of my essence inaccessible to me in every situation and that's why forgiveness is such such a magnificent um, such a magnificent horse to ride because it brings the miracles it returns the love to my awareness returns the, the field to my experience it helps me resonate with the totality rather than this teeny tiny little fragment that's based on fear ego is um, ego identity let's put it that way because it's not a real thing it's a misidentification um, it's based on fear and he addresses it uh, I was looking at the notes and uh, here's a really great little great little piece out of the dialogue between Helen and the voice um, it's not in the in the text but it's a, a tiny little side note uh, recorded in the notes where she wrote <coughs> she wrote she writes uh, Bill was right that you should ask before attempting it again that's a miracle it would be very unwise to try it before we can do it together as I told you last night I assure you I will be vigilant in identifying the right time as I told you very clearly next time we will do it together I didn't tell you when that will be because I don't know but you will tell me that but may not recognize you have done so that is why you need me to relay your own message back to you when we are both ready it cannot be fearful I, I'm bringing that up today because of the magnificence of the guidance that's available to us he says I can be as an elder brother I can be trusted with your ego and your body because I can teach you their unimportance but I wouldn't be responsible for your mind um, because I'm not its creator and no force but your own will is worthy enough to guide you he's leading me back to my magnificence and I don't know how to get there I if I did uh, I would not have forgotten but with that guidance that's even available to me when I'm blind to my need which is a good definition of repression I'm blind to my need I think I can do it alone but I'm blind to my need he's aware he's aware of the prayer of my heart always and when I'm not aware of the prayer of my heart 
when I'm ready to let go of fear, he will be there with my answer. That's the depth of the guidance that's available. Earlier on, he said, we must be very honest with each other. We must be very honest with each other. That is a plea. I take I take that as a plea that I soften my heart so that I can become aware of my fear. Repression and dissociation, those two defense mechanisms, <clears throat> I, I need to highlight them because uh, I was reminded this morning that defenses do what they would defend. When I'm afraid, um, I call upon these defenses. And what happens as a consequence of the defenses, I repress something and remove it from my consciousness so that I become blind. And then I dissociate my natural loving response that would have helped me deal with that. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a lesson, lesson 135. If I defend myself, I am attacked. And all that lesson is saying that when I'm afraid and I call upon the defense, defenses of repression, that's to remove my fear from my consciousness and dissociation to keep me blind to the love that's available. I'm really allowing my mind to attack itself. And it's that attack of itself that makes me identify with this teeny tiny little fragment. Defenses do what they would defend. So my goal in this section is to arrive at right perception, which is right perception is the place in my mind where Holy Spirit's with me. And I have no need to defend. I'm safe. I'm safe in that place. And with that assistance, God is the love in which I forgive. God is the strength in which I trust. I'm able to become undefended. And it's in that moment of undefendedness, he says, one moment of real recognition will make all your all all will make all minds brothers. It only takes one moment of undefendedness for me to experience to experience to experience the fact that I love. And that's a fact that I was blind to when I was misidentified to this tiny little fragment that rides the horse or rests in the boat. That was a figment, a fragment, a figment of my imagination, a collection of false beliefs about myself <clears throat> that caused me to withdraw and become blind to all the love that is part of me as I was created. And so <clears throat> he says, sufficient quantitative shifts from the fear to the love that is forgiveness, a sufficient number of those experiences will result in a real qualitative shift. That is to say, my awareness won't be uh, riding to peaks and troughs and peaks and troughs, fear and love, withdraw, attack, um, defend, withdraw. 
I'll start surfing those waves, recognizing that God is the love in which I forgive, God is the strength in which I trust. Eventually those troughs, in my experience, start to disappear, and guess what? I'm happy. (laughs) I'm happy um, because I don't have to trust in my own strength, and I have the magnificence of this internal guidance available to me in every instant. There is a constant state where a qualitative shift is experienced, a different field of experience. And in that qualitative shift, I learned to remember my soul, that I had forgotten. I had dissociated myself from this totality of love. And all that's asked of me is a moment of undefendedness. That's all. That's the depth of the strength that's available. God is the love in which I forgive. I'm complete. Well, thank you so much, Lori. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you. Good morning again, and this is Sandra, and that was so beautiful, Lori. And I, you know, God gave me the way back to my soul, and I'm so grateful. And how God did that, God never condemned me. God never condemned my ego. In fact, he forgave it. Not only did he, she, all that is, forgive it, but then my Creator gave me the Holy Spirit so that I could forgive myself and forgive everybody. Gave me another tool. First, God forgave me, never condemned me, never condemned my ego, never condemned anything. And then He gave me a way back using the Holy Spirit. And I, you know, just, I, and and brought me a way to, to, to reunite with my soul. Because when I was an ego identity, I, I didn't have a soul. I was just full of rage and anger and wanting, and, and wanting to be right because it was, it was a survival. It was survival. Because if, if I was right, then everybody else was wrong and all the abuse was wrong. And no, that's, that's, not, that's not what needs to happen here. What needs to happen is inclusion, inclusion of the abuse, knowing that it was the curriculum that I set up so that I could learn these lessons of forgiveness and trust and faith in in the divine and therefore reunite with my soul. So this is just so, it's so beautiful and and uh, I'm so grateful. I'm complete. That was just beautiful, Sandra. Beautiful description of healing. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sandra. I was just... Um, a note I made to myself from the reading today, and it's 
It's in paragraph 83 because it says the essential thing to remember. And I always try to reread and, and remember those things when it says it's an essential thing to remember. And this is something that helps clarify um, something for me. The essential thing to remember is that the ego does not recognize the real source of its threats. And, Lori, you reminded me of this when you started thinking about or talking about defenses of the ego. And um, so the, the ego doesn't perceive or recognize the real source of its threat is God. It, it projects the source of its fear upon the world. We make a concept of ourselves in the world, in the body, and, and our concept and all the learning of the world teaches us that we're this thing. And we perceive it, what we perceive as fearful are all things in the world that threaten our existence. Like, um, you know, threaten our body and that we're going to die and that we're not safe. We, we could starve and get sick and we can sin and be evil and all these fearful mistaken beliefs are projected on the world and um but the idea that um when we step back and look at what what the the course explains is what's happening really happening here is that it's god that we perceive as the real the ego doesn't perceive as a real threat because if it did it would it would annihilate it <laughs> Really, all this stuff the ego's telling me to believe and making up about myself are not true. And so I don't go to God. And um, the fear and shame that the ego would maintain is the truth about who I think I am is not true. And, um, you know, that God would, would, in his loving mercy and grace, say, no, this need not be, you need not be afraid. And um, when I was considering contemplating this i was thinking um something that um we read in the text a couple days ago that you know we um we can be a vigilant against the ego's dictates so we defend the kingdom of god in us um leave the sins of the ego to me that is what atonement is for so what is forgiveness for? The forgiving of this illusion of this concept of self that we've made. That that <laughs> it doesn't matter. Recognize what we do, what we see or think we do in bodies as being hurtful, harmful, sinful, evil is is just a mistaken miscreation, misperception. And that at that what the illusion is. That's an illusion of what we think is real. But what is real, with the capital R, in the reality, with the capital R, as God created it, the unicity and the grace, the totality of the kingdom of God as one son, loving and, and wholly lovable. And um, that's the whole truth. And nothing else is the truth. So help us, God. <laughs> I just love talking about this stuff. Thank you for bringing me to this place. Amen. 
Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Jude. I love your enthusiasm. Just the, the idea of how to demonstrate I'm not an ego, and that's not to side with the conditioning of the egoic mind to be dispirited, to worry, to be angry, to be afraid, that um, all that's a um, miscreation of the egoic mind. And um, in the, from the lesson today that, um, where is it? Ooh. God is the strength. That's from a couple of days ago. You're fading out, Judy. Oh. I'm trying to find the page. <laughs> God is the love in which I for- forgive. Um, just how, um, you know, it, it's one or the other, and they're in opposition, that it speaks in the first couple paragraphs as... Um, we forgive, we're releasing ourselves from illusions. And as I condemn only myself, so do I forgive only myself. There is only one self. There is only one mind, and there are not two minds. If I think I'm judging someone who I think is someone other than me, I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> I'm really off. I'm really missing the mark here. And that is... Yeah. You know, one way of looking at what sin is, to me anyways, that there's one mind and not two. And um, God doesn't, um, he doesn't forgive because he doesn't judge or condemn. Um, So it's that backing up from being separate and restoring my mind to the awareness that my my mind is one with God. Um, And that's why forgiveness can truly be called salvation, that my mind saved from thinking that I'm oh, and all my illusions of who I think I am disappear. And I'm left. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. I think there's one unmuted line. Anyone we haven't heard from this morning? Well, one one short, to judge a part of it is to judge all of it. Um, I think that that's something I like to try to remember, Um, to see totally. To see totality, I have to see totally. And it talks about that a little bit of knowledge, um, to see God in everything. Um, And that little is a, 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 an idea of scarcity and um, lack from the ego and that 
Um, the ego is a disease of more. Um, I want more of something, anything, it doesn't matter what. And that's how it seeks outside of itself for its completion. Okay, I'll be quiet now. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Judy. Well, there aren't any other shares. I just want to highlight um, one of the things that I didn't get a chance to, but is very important. And he talks about talks about it in paragraph 90. Your gratitude is the only gift I want. And um, I found a really good quote this morning that says it all about gratitude. And it is this, gratitude helps me see what is there instead of what isn't. Gratitude helps me see what is there instead of what isn't. And if misperception is my um, biggest problem, then gratitude is my greatest escape from that. It helps me see what is there instead of what isn't. In Course of Love, he says, think what you know in this business of forgiveness. Think what you know about the soul of this one. Think what you know about the spirit. That's what he says. Think what you know about the spirit of this one. And when I do that, instantly, I mean instantly, my mind shifts um, to a sense of I know this spirit is beautiful and loving because I know my own spirit when I've forgiven myself or let my forgiveness rest upon myself. Um, so that's another way another way that I can remember truth and be undefended. Um, gratitude lets me see what is there instead of what isn't. Because the problem is seeing what isn't there and forgiveness uh, fixes that. Your graciousness, forgetting the graciousness of your indebtedness um, is a phrase that invites me. I mean, it just invites me to uh, shake it off. Just shake it off and walk into that space where I can remember I can only know my capital as self to the extent that I allow myself to be undefended. That is to say, without fear. And without fear, the love is already there. You know, the essence of the soul is love. He says the soul knows, loves, and creates. Those are its unequivocal functions. The soul knows the spirit of each and every one of us. The soul loves, and the soul creates, extends love as it was extended by source. Those are its unequivocal functions. And in Lesson 298, just to uh, underscore the importance of gratitude in restoring my wholeness, Lesson 298 is, I love you, Father, and I love your Son. And that lesson begins with my gratitude 
permits my love to be remembered without fear. That's, I mean, a magnificent expression of the wholeness of capitalist self. Without you, I cannot know capitalist self that includes us all, the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why, that's why I am so indebted to this group because we mirror each other's holiness every morning. We get together and pull out our mirrors and shine on each other. And that's the only way to remember our capitalist self and permit my love to be remembered without fear. There's a deep, deep, deep well of love, a constant running aquifer of love in the heart of each and every one of us. And it's fear that keeps me from tapping that well. Gratitude, gratitude, real gratitude to the fact that without you I can't know myself permits me to draw from that well in any circumstance in which I find myself. That's why we're so indebted to each other. And when I remember that, I remember love without fear and restore the wholeness of my capitalist self to my awareness. Your gratitude is the only gift I want, he says, and I will take it to our Father. So beautiful. So I thank you all. I thank you, each and every one of you who dial in every morning and hold that mirror so we can see our holiness. And today I wanted to close the call with this from chapter 13, From Perception to Knowledge. He says, When you have let all that obscured the truth in your most holy mind be undone for you, and stand in grace before your Father, he will give himself to you as he has always done. Giving himself is all he knows, and so it is all knowledge. For what he knows not cannot be, and therefore cannot be given. Ask not to be forgiven, for this has already been accomplished. Ask rather to learn how to forgive and restore what always was to your unforgiving mind. Atonement becomes real and visible to them that use it. On earth this is your only function, and you must learn that it is all you want to learn. We can't do it without each other. Amen. So thank you all for a beautiful call and for dialing in every morning. So grateful. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. That was so beautiful. All of the all your shows that went earlier when I didn't comment. Thank you so much. Thank you for holding the space that this healing Oh, thank you. Beautiful community. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks.